0: Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. As always, I've got a very special guest today. Um, I've had the privilege of getting to know Chad recently, and I think you're just going to be blown away by Chad Corbett and his background and just all the things that he's accomplished in life. Um, What an amazing story and experience. And then when we, you know, pull together what his business is all about, I think it's really going to help those of you um, that are looking for ways to get into, you know, multiple streams of income, owning your own business and get into some passive income, and maybe eventually... What's your job. So, Chad, thanks for being on the Investing for Freedom podcast.
1: Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me, man. All right. Yeah, good excited to have it.
0: you here. So, um, let's jump into the four questions. So, who's had the greatest impact on your life?
1: Man, that's a really hard one for me to answer. It's like, what's your favorite food? Um, I've had, you know, I've, I've been blessed with so many amazing people in my life, but I, I mean, when you first ask that, I'm like, all right, in a good way or a bad way? Yeah, <laughs> You have your bad experiences that, that really kind of shape who you are, but... I would have to say like to pick a single one, I think, and I didn't realize it at the time, I didn't know who Tony Robbins was in 2014. And a friend asked me to go with him. We challenged each other to to go to four major events each year. Uh, usually we went, we picked shows, real estate conventions, masterminds. And I, I find myself in, a, in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, in a room with 8,000 people just screaming their heads off, jumping up and down. And I'm like, what kind of cult crap is this? <laughs> And uh, later that night, I was walking on fire with Tony Robbins. And and at the end of that four days, I was lit up like a Christmas tree, right? And then it just kind of died off. What I didn't realize is is how big of an impact it made on me until I took a friend back to UPW the second, like when I did it the second time. And I was like, this seems so basic. Who doesn't know this? Mm -hmm. And it had made such a large impression on me that I, and I came back from that second time, looked at my notebook, that you can have a spiral bound notebook from that. I had accomplished my wildest dreams that I could record in that notebook, I had accomplished in about a year, year and a half. And I was three or four years from that. And I I really, I kinda had to go back and retrospect, retroactively give Tony Robbins the credit because just understanding, and and even even within that, like understanding the six basic human needs, the way he teaches it, and I have, you know, I graduated with honors in in, in psychology and, and law enforcement but that's formal theoretical stuff. And it's the practical psychology that I've learned from him and how to very quickly identify and change your own behavior and the behavior of others. That's probably been the most beneficial thing that I've ever done in my life. And there, there's been a lot, but I would say if I had to choose one, that, that, that change in mindset and shift in thinking to use psychology in real time has been a hugely impactful. Man, that is amazing. There is
0: so much to unpackage there, but we're going to stay focused. Um,
1: <laughs> we could be here for days. Yeah,
0: and I, I actually have a few things that I want to circle back um, on, and that's what I love about this whole process, the four questions. I mean, it opens up so many. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I feel like we have to turn it into a four-part series. So there is a few things that I'd like to circle back on with that. So, Okay. Um, if you could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success, what would it be?
1: Walking away from the FBI. Wow. Tell me about um, that so i started training at 15 years old to be an fbi agent i set my sights on it wrote letters i started with the basketball coach up to the high school principal through the superintendent to the you know the board of education to the governor and got into the west virginia state police academy a junior trooper academy and i went through police academy at 15. i was small it wasn't the full 28 weeks and that what made it clear for me. I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to serve buddy. Like I'm going to be part of a team. I'm going to, I'm going to serve. I'm going to make a difference. And from 15 to 22, I, I lifted weights. I ran, I, I shot thousands and thousands of rounds. And at 22 years old, I was about to graduate college. I hadn't graduated and uh, I was recruited and hired um, before I even got my degree. And you can imagine how big your head is as a 22 year old, who I wasn't even old enough to be a special agent, but they hired me in as a police officer. And so I was pretty proud. Like I felt like, like how, how did I as this little farm kid with, that came from very modest beginnings, how the hell did I get here so quickly? And then uh, I can't hear 6,000 megahertz, so I had failed their hearing test, and I let them know that I would because I had been through military, the military processing nine times and failed their hearing test. But uh, that was a huge deal for me, probably the thing I was most proud still one of the things I'm most proud of, getting through. You know, the, the FBI has pretty tough filters, right? They're pretty good underwriters. And I got through all that, and I got through it all by 22 years old. And then on principle, I left and burned it all to the ground because my guaranteed hearing waiver turned into, oh, you know, you're such an asset. We're gonna bump you up like uh, eight, 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 eight pegs on the pay scale and give you a desk job. Mm. And that was my last day in the bureau, I walked away. And that I guess I, I, I didn't even give myself time to think about it. Like I just said, act, act on your principles. And when I did, I was like, holy shit, did you just do that? (laughs) And I I did it, you know, unfortunately, the captain that they sent to deliver the news to me had to hear a few choice words, but it took me quite a while to, I guess, to really process and and reconcile that. But once I did, it it was one of the most valuable lessons in life Um, because I thought that everything was over, everything I'd worked for, everything I poured my soul into through the most formative years of my life at the time I thought had um, just crumbled. In retrospect, what I've learned later, as you see on my wall here, like I'm an empath, I'm a teacher, I didn't know that. So I was going into a career like that was a hard charging and like I'm an enneagram seven in my natural state. Like I just wanna have fun and be perpetually 23. I was, and when I get challenged or threatened, I go back to an enneagram one where I'm like, you know, that military mindset, Like, like pick a target, go through it. And I think that that was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because I don't think I would have been happy. I think that I would have never really found my creative genius. And, uh, but there's a hell of a lot of lessons that come from it and, you know, as far as discipline goes and grit and tenacity and, and doing the right thing. So I think that's probably been the most valuable life lesson. Um, at the time, it sure as hell didn't feel that way. You know, when, when it in the moment, it felt like it was it was the end of everything I'd worked for, and, and I was going to be in like working in the gas station the rest of my life. But it gave me. It, fuel, man, it was, it was rocket fuel if there ever was any. Um, and I immediately, again, I didn't think I went straight. I said, what I own a fencing company. I was making really good money building fence for farmers. And, um, I immediately went and got my real estate license and took action immediately while, while that, you know, that was a fresh fuel. And, uh, it, it's really fueled me to, I guess, become the, the business person that I am, the teacher and coach that I am. That's
0: pretty powerful, man. Um, so, I, I I don't really know a lot about like your family and all that, but how how did how did the people around you take that when like everything you'd worked for you just you just left?
1: You know, it's interesting with with something like that because for twelve weeks you have FBI agents. I mean, I grew up in a town of you know there's fifteen people in a, what we call in our town. It's just a few farms, right? <laughs> wow. There's eight thousand people in the entire county I grew up in. So for 12 weeks from your kindergarten teacher, all the way through the, your current college professors, they're being interviewed by FBI agents wow. and you know, your coaches, your, the people who work in grocery stores. So everybody knows about it, right? Everybody's like, did you, did you, what's going on? Yeah, And like, I would go to a bar my senior year in college and people would be like, what the hell? The FBI was in my house at 6am <laughs> yesterday. What did you do? <laughs> and I'm like, nothing yet. Yeah, um, But You know, walking away from it, everybody was was you know super supportive and proud, and that honestly, like how they perceived it, kind of made it harder. But the thing that everybody said was, you know, Chad, it's okay. Everything, everything, everything will be okay. Everything happens for a reason, and there's there's a whole story behind that too. Like it's so hard as a 22 year old with, with the EQ that I had at the time, it was really hard to hear that. You know, it's like, I know you're being supportive, but it doesn't help. I just want to, I want, you know, I want it to help. I want it to be solved. So uh, the people in my community were, were very supportive and it was interesting when I, when I did the freedom of Inf- information act and got my packet released, it's pretty interesting to see what people say about you when they don't know that you're ever going to see it. Right. When, wow. And when they're looking in the eyes of, of an FBI investigator, um, but it, it, you know, people were supportive. And when I jumped into business, uh, and into real estate, people were, were very supportive of me. And, and, you know, it's, I don't know. I come from a really, really good family, really good community. Um, I can't really think of anyone who, who said, Hey man, you're crazy. You shouldn't do that. Now, later in life, when I started really stepping outside of my box and doing more creative things and got, became a serial entrepreneur, I've had family members say, why don't you just quit this and get a real job. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) But at that time it was, I think most people were supportive of me trying out something different. And I think, you know, most of those farmers and adults say they're, they're simple folks, but I think they're, they're more knowledgeable than, than most people give them credit for. I think they might've known that it was the best thing for me.
0: Yeah, no, that's such a great point too. Um, I love this whole process because, um, you know, just like my wife has a aunt and uncle that are ranchers in, in Wyoming. And, you know, they, they play, <laughs> they, they play like they're, you know, just everyday folk and, but man, he, he's a genius and she's a genius. And so to, to your point, I mean, pretty, pretty level headed people. Um, uh, and a yeah. lot of times what we think is success or what we think is EQ or IQ is just com- something completely different. So amazing story there. i uh, might want to unpack, unpackage a few more things there too, but, uh, what was your greatest setback
1: and what'd you learn from it? I think it was, you know, probably the uh, probably the FBI story. I mean, that, I, I think that pretty much covers that. Other than that, it would be trying on brutal honesty and candid communication in a corporate setting when you're making more money than the senior VPs that are, are supposed to be leading you, mm-hmm. um, resulting in the rug being pulled out from under you and a calculated decision that litigation would cost more than the commissions they owed you. And that was a very valuable lesson that, that like, that was a setback at the time I thought it was a setback, but the same as the FBI, it was fuel man. Because it, it really taught me, like it made me unemployable for life. Mm. I, I can't imagine, I started my first business at seven and I've, I've always been in charge of my own income. Even when I was a W2 with them, I was earning hundred percent commission, but it taught me to own the source, right? It taught me to never be dependent on somebody else feeding me because at that time, like when I reached a certain level of success, the people who were supposed to be leading and mentoring me turned against me and not uh, in in a very uh, aggressive way. I mean, it's, they, they owed me quite a bit of money, but they knew how much it would cost to get it back in a courtroom. And uh, so I had to, I had to make a decision to walk away from that knowing, like, I had to decide to fight. You know, it's like, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? So I took my motorcycle and I disappeared into the Canadian wilderness for a couple months. I processed that into who I am today, and it was one of the best gifts I've ever been given. So if you're listening, you know who you are. Thanks. (laughs) I love it.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. All right. Last one. What is the piece of advice you find
1: yourself sharing the most in life? get clear on the outcome and forget the rest. You know, it's, as, as somebody who came from the background, I did, I, I, I you know, I trusted the advice that I was given on the way up and with the military and, and law enforcement mindset, there's, there's a strategy and there's tactics for everything. Right. And I put too much weight in that. And, uh, I, the, you know, there's several different par- prominent, you know, self-help and psychologist people will, will have different names for this, but, uh I'm trying to think of, uh, anyways, the cursed house is what one of, one of those guys uh, that I'm having. Timothy Dooley is the author that he calls it the cursed house and the cursed house is You know, if you say, all right, I want to make a million dollars and I'm going to do a, B, C, D, a, you know, if you try to lay out every step and you try to overset goals or you get too granular with goals. And I know this will probably go against the grain of a lot of your listeners, but hear me out. Um, getting really clear on the outcome and for me making that outcome a feeling and forgetting about how you get there the the metaphor that i use when i try to explain this to people in a a short amount of time is you know you've got a gps right we all have one in our pocket And we pull this thing out of our pocket and say, okay, I'm going to drive from New York to San Francisco, avoid tolls, avoid highways. There's a million turns in between. Right. Mm -hmm. And you trust this advice. This thing that was, was designed as cheaply designed and manufactured as cheaply as possible to get in your pocket, but you explicitly trust it. And at what point do you know it was right? Not until you pull in that driveway and it says you're there, you could have made a thousand turns and, and been completely lost and wouldn't have known it, but you trusted that outcome that you chose. You focused on the outcome, not everything in between. And that's kind of how I look at that, look at, at especially the big picture things in life. Like my best advice to anyone is don't get lost in, in the granularity of goal setting. And if you get clear on your big picture, get clear on the outcome, let those other things happen. Let the FBI do what they're gonna do. Let your bosses and, and vice presidents do what they're going to do. That's all just a right turn or left turn to help get you to that destination. If you stay clear and you stay focused on the outcome, nothing else matters. How you get there is all part of the fun and part of these stories.
0: Man, that is, I mean, we could just stop right there because that alone was gold. And as you're talking about the GPS thing, uh, when we first started buying manufactured homes across the country, uh, I partnered up with a guy that had already, I think that we owned like 15 properties when I partnered up and. I I was tasked with the operations team and being out in the field and so I was going to I was heading to Kentucky to see two of our communities and the regional manager had told me well fly into I think it was Louisville and one of them's going to be, you know, 45 minutes from you you'll stay the night there and then the next day you're going to drive about another 45 minutes. So I land in Louisville, I get my rental car, I plug the location into the GPS and like <laughs> 2 hours later I'm still driving and I actually called the re- I'm like I I don't know if I took a wrong turn or what. I'm like two hours into this thing and I'm still not there. Well, my GPS had set, somehow my GPS had got set to avoid freeways. <laughs> so I'm driving the entire time, like just not paying attention. Like it, I've, I've never really thought through that other than, man, I'm an idiot. <laughs> but when you brought that story up, that happened to me the opposite way. Like I'm just driving along, not paying attention. And all of a sudden I'm an hour and a half, two hours into this trip. And it was because my GPS was set wrong. I, I love, love, love what you just said about, you know, not getting too granular on the goals and because it's funny as we, as we progress and we achieve more success, um, you know, we tend to try to like package that, bottle that up and here's the 15 steps to success, right? But if we think back to the beginning, it wasn't, We we didn't understand that back then. And so that's why. I don't know if you've really listened much or paid um, much attention to the process, but I keep it super simple. What do you really want? Why do you want it? What are you going to do to get it? Measure results and then adjust because things are going to come out of nowhere and kick our ass. Our desires are going to change. What we think we want is going to adjust. So I love everything that you just said. That was amazing. And so the book was, um, the
1: biggest lesson for me in that Mike was like, just because you wrote something down, and and had to change course like to me that was a failure Mm. and i started booking those as failures like i would get to the end of the year and i'm like well i failed at that failed at that failed at that and by the time i got to the end of my goal sheet i was pissed off and i was mad at myself and and i did the opposite of what we should all be trying to master which is self-love right Mm. we should be trying to figure out how to get our cup full and actually give ourselves the credit we're due i still find that challenging but when I started focusing on goals and how they make me feel, not how much money they make or how many houses or doors were included in it. But how do you want to feel Chad? Like at the end of the day, how do you want to, how do how, do, how should life feel? And then just get clear on that and what it is. And it, it, the goal can be a house, but I would encourage you if you say I want a million dollar house and, and you know, anywhere, why? And eventually you'll get to the root of that. It's a feeling. Mm -hmm. I want to feel significant. I want to feel secure. I want to feel accomplished, whatever that might mean. It's something different for all of us, but I would encourage you like not to set goals based on number of doors or number of of houses or the number of dollars in the bank, but who the hell do you want to be and who, how the hell does that guy feel or that girl feel? And then just let everything out. Like just trust the process, just like the GPS metaphor, like, if, if you've got something written down a more granular granular goal and it goes off the rails, let's say you, you you make a bad investment decision and you lose a hundred thousand dollars. Well, who the hell is to say that that isn't the fuel to light some more tenacity in you to make better underwriting decisions on the next deal or to select a whole new asset class. Mm-hmm. And if you can focus out on the horizon, like on the big picture, It'll keep your mindset right. It'll keep you from turning against yourself and becoming your own biggest threat to success.
0: Wow, that's amazing. So you obviously, I, I there's so much to unpackage there. But um, you know, even when we're setting the goals, this is kind of what you started that off, off with. When you're setting these goals, um, get into the reason, the why. Just keep asking why until you dig into that. So, is that kind of the touch that's on the? You, you got a board behind you. Is that the touch part of that? What tell me tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so this board was, I, I added the letters to it. It was a gift um, just because people know I, I like to travel and I've got the rest of my office that you can't see or antique maps. Like I lived in Maui and I like old maps. and um, But I, this is significant it to me because it, it represents like, I, I kind of see myself coming from a really small town. The first time I was ever on an airplane, I was 26 years old. Wow! So, I, but since then, I basically haven't stopped traveling. Like I've been a cowboy on a dude wrench. I've been a lumberjack. I've managed fine dining restaurants. I've traveled the world and done many different things. And that's kind of what this represents. And what I've learned is, you know, I love to travel to, to get myself out of my comfort zone and gain those new experiences. I learned um, not soon enough, but but I'm still young. I learned that I'm really in my heart. I'm a teacher. I love to, and my gauge of success there is it's, it's again feelings. Like I want to feel like I want you. I, I, if my students all pass my, where I'm at, like are more successful than me then that, that's one of the greatest feelings I can get. When a guy comes to me and it says, man, listen, I made a million dollars last year with what you taught me for 250 bucks. That's currency, baby. Like that's, that's, that's the feel. Um, so that's, that's, that's kind of touching people. And, you know, I do charity work. Like I I spent, I I ride adventure motorcycles and train people to ride the big, like the 1200 GS off-road, on-road, off-road, like world travel bikes. And I spent last year, the whole month of May in Nepal, um, delivering MSR water treatment systems that, that you know, in, in, in a month we were able to save at least 7,000 lives a year wow. with the systems we put in place. So that's kind of what that represents is is travel for you, but make sure that you're always, always being true to, to what the talents you're given of teaching people and touching their lives. That's kind of what it means to me. Wow. That's powerful. And so... Let's get a little
0: bit into your your business because I want to make sure that we we touch on that. Um, and you just said when somebody comes to you and says I made a million dollars on what you teach me, mm-hmm. um, you've you've built a pretty amazing system. Let's just let's just touch on that a little bit so we make sure that we've got that.
1: Yeah. So in 2011 is when I kind of hit the reset button, and as I said, I, I spent a couple of months in the Canadian wilderness on a, on an adventure motorcycle um with just a fly rod and some freeze-dried food and a backpack wow. and, a, and a leather-bound journal and literally every night i i would i would ride and take photos all day and then i would sit it and i would fly fish and journal until the sun went down at 11 o'clock at night and um there was one particular night in fernie british columbia there was i was on a lake and that's what this photo behind me represents i, I there's a good funny story behind that but I made three rules for myself. It was always help others more than yourself, always turn a six-figure net so you can live and give the way you want, and always be able to do it from anywhere in the world with an iPhone or a laptop. And those became the the targets. Like those were those big outcomes on the horizon that I was telling telling you. You know, I don't have to say that I'm going to start X kind of business that does X amount of revenue and da 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 da. My targets kind of became those three things. So I moved to, I ended up moving to a town where I knew nobody, Roanoke, Virginia. Um, and I was, I had built my career in resort development. So we, we developed ski front, beach front, whole ownership. And I did a water park in the Smoky Mountains. But I had, I had come from multi-million dollar real estate development and sales. And there's none of that in Roanoke, Virginia, in case you've ever been there and, and you don't know. <laughs> but I kind of took myself out of the top of an industry and I'm like, oh, now what? And I chose Roanoke uh, deliberately, uh, looking at, at, at MSAs all over the country, and I chose it because of the proximity to. I wanted to come back to Appalachia because there's just something special about this place. I just I love the people, I love Appalachia, so I wanted to be in, back into these mountains. Um, I I wanted to be in a town where I could start a real estate business that would help me achieve those those three things. And when I moved here, the median price was 141 thousand bucks. I'm like, well, it's not brokerage. We know that. I'm like, how the hell do you make money in this market? Yeah. And I started looking at investing, and I looked at the price to rent ratios here, and they were more like Memphis or you know Detroit. Like, I bought my first house in Roanoke for ten thousand dollars, replacement windows, new siding, new HVAC, new roof. I paid ten grand for it, and it had a nine fifty a month HUD tenant. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. And I mean, so, I mean, you literally, the whole, like you're doubling your money yeah. every couple of years and, and, you know, and then the lower income rentals here, but so I, I chose to set up an investment business here. So I started wholesaling just before I risked my own capital completely. I thought, well, let me wholesale a few deals and, and, you know, cut my teeth. So I did a few wholesale deals and really hated that, man. Like I, I realized I'd been spending my, I, I built my career negotiating the price up on millionaires and billionaires. Now I'm in the living rooms of people who made poor decisions and I'm trying to beat them down. And that, that just wasn't for me. Hmm. So I did a few deals and and moved on. And yeah, there's still a place for that. Like a wholesale falls in my lap every once in a while where it's people just are checked out and they're like, just take it. But for, for me as a core business, that wasn't it. Um, so I thought, how do I take all these people who need to get a higher price but can't and still serve them? How do I help others before myself and still make six figures and still run it from an iPhone? So those three things, those three big outcomes, really shaped my investment business too. So I, I, that led me to creative financing. Hmm. So when somebody didn't have enough equity to sell, I could do a lease with option to purchase, or you know, structure some sort of a creative financing deal. If somebody, if I couldn't buy it for a wholesale price, I, I had you know seven other tools in the toolkit. And I got really good with, with lease purchase. Like I had a 95% close rate on my lease option program. Wow. It's very, very detailed. It ta- it, it's outside of the scope of this conversation. I'm happy to teach anyone and everyone how to do it. Um, it it's, it's different, but it works. So from there, I, I noticed that most of the people that were responding to kind of the Canada we buy houses stuff, they had either inherited a home or they're in the probate process. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go, I got to figure this out. Well, before I'd actually, I said, I'm going to go to the courthouse and learn this stuff. Before that happened, one of the, one of the other mailers that I'd sent out, um, a lady had called me and said, take me off your list. I'll die in this house. And it was just a high equity list. Don't ever, don't ever mail that list by the way, high equity owner occupant, not a good list. But so her, that lady had called me 60 days later, I get a call from a frantic lady who's just in tears. She had driven eight hours from Wrightsville beach to come up here. Her mother had had a stroke was in the hospital. They were getting ready to discharge her because she couldn't stay mm. and they couldn't afford the rehab facility. So she needed a solution very quickly. So I went and this all kind of happened on accident, man. I had been doing creative financing. I'd built, I built at the time. I had gotten my, my Virginia real estate license. So I had four real estate licenses at that time. Um, I had done the, you know, wholesale. I was flipping houses, uh, listing, short sales. I was, I was starting to do a lot of different things in residential. When I first moved here, I sold a hundred million dollars in real estate, but I didn't know how to sell a house. I had never <laughs> sold a house, yeah. And so I had to learn all this stuff. So in a matter of six months, I, I went from never having sold a house to creative finance deals, wholesales, conventional listing, short sales. I was just trying everything on for size because I was looking for those three big outcomes, right? Yeah. And this one appointment really became a pivot point in my life. And I didn't even see it coming because I'd been doing all these things and beating myself up. And the, the, the advice I gave you guys about, you know, set it like, get clear on the outcome and don't worry about the left and right turns. Just trust the process. It's because every night I would, I would end the end my day and beat myself up. Cause I didn't get that deal or I didn't make this many phone calls and I was failing or, you know um, and I, I had to learn to process those things. But, what happened in this appointment was this lady, she needed money and she needed every penny possible. So I thought, all right, forget your own damn outcomes, forget your own goals, forget your own business model, serve this lady. Mm Listen, so we walked through the house, I heard her out. She needed money to, she needed cash immediately to get her mother into the rehab facility. We needed to liquidate the asset for every penny that we possibly could so she could sustain her because she wasn't ever coming home. Like she had a massive stroke and she wasn't, it was clear. We needed the transition to long-term care. And there was no plan, you know, 78.8% of senior citizens surveyed by the nursing home industry have no plan. Their only plan is to die in their home. 60% of Americans die in hospitals, 20% in nursing homes, 20% at home. So 20% of people have their plan works out. 80% of people get blindsided and they have no contingency plan. There's no long-term care plan. There's no estate plan. And that creates a massive amount, that uh, creates the feeling Pam was feeling. So she was frantic. They were, go- they were trying to discharge her mother out into a rehab facility that she couldn't afford. They couldn't afford in-home care. She was 65 years old herself. She certainly couldn't take care of her. And she was just lost. She was frozen and her father had passed away. The house was part of probate, but that's not the reason I, I just happened on this one through a high equity list. Hmm. Thank goodness I did. So we walked through the house and I said, you know, Pam, I, I, and this just, I'm still surprised how this happened because it happened on the spot. I come back to the living room, I sat down and I was just kind of like, okay, so I've got four things for you one is I'll, I'll buy this house cash. I'll close probably within 48 hours. As soon as I can pull a string and get a title binder, I will close. I promise you, she flinched really hard, you know, cause the, she thought it was worth twice that, mm. and it was, but for me to, to, you know, that early in my investing career, I was like, eh. and it was on, it was on kind of a busy road. It was set back a bit, but it wasn't. So anyways, I was, I was, that was my safe price. Um, option 2 as is where is it had been on the market with a realtor who did a terrible job i said i'll list it as is where is no con- like and and we should find a buyer within 7 days and close within 30 at this price Option three is we're going to do what the other realtor should have. We're going to get this home ready for market. We're going to, so since your mom's not coming back, I'm going to get an estate sale company to come in here and make up, make an offer on this antique furniture. We're going to take the money from that furniture. We're going to do a light punch work rehab, like a cosmetic Mm -hmm. rehab. We're going to have it done in three to five days. We're going to get, great photography, put this thing out and we'll sell it at probably you know that, that retail value where you had it listed and when you got no showings. I, we can get that number if we do the right job. Option four is everything in option three, but instead of going to the conventional market to MLS, we're gonna go lease, lease purchase, rent to own, hmm. owner financing. And, and then I explained my program to her. To my surprise, that's what she chose. So I was able to get an $8,000 option fee, $1,100 1st month and 1100 last month in her pocket right then, hmm. like within three days. I was able to get the house sold for full price, no contingencies. We sold it to a pair of Navy veterans who had retired and forgot, had left Pennsylvania and forgot to pay their utility bill. So they, they had, that was on their credit. Yeah, It's all we had to resolve. And... Net like at the end of the day, we ended up netting her twenty five thousand dollars more than the last realtor had expired the listing at. Wow! And we did it in a matter of of days. Uh, well, I mean, we we got the solution in place in a matter of days. So as with all those other nights, I came home and beat myself up. This night, I came home, I poured a glass of Cabernet, and I'm like, "What did you just do? Yeah, totally. Like you, like wow." What if you could do that again and again and again? And what if it scales? What if you could teach other people? Mm. And that was a pivot point for me. And I started thinking that way. So the next day I'm at the courthouse meeting with the probate clerk, learning the process, learning how to gather the data. The next day I'm sending out letters, offering this as like a vertically integrated solution. We will bring in our contractors, our clean out crews, our estate cell companies, our senior moving companies, our attorneys you know, yada, 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 like with this vertically integrated solution, why not have 35 marketing hooks in a, and if you're gonna send one letter with one hook, that, that's okay, you'll find some success. Why not send one letter with 35 hooks? Mm. And so I later read the book Blue Ocean Strategy, which I love because it kind of validated this. For me, I found an uncontested market space chasing those feelings, those, those three things that came to me on that mountaintop mm. I found it on accident because I was being, I was trusting the process and being true to those three things that I said I wanted in my life. So I did probate became my niche. Probate became my specialty. It built the entire investment side of my business, the entire brokerage side of my business. And at a certain point, it got so big that it was threatening that, it was threatening those, those three things, right? Like I wasn't able to just pick up and leave and and take off because people were becoming too reliant on my presence. Mm -hmm. Like here in Roanoke, it was title companies, real estate agents, you know, everyone, everyone needed more and more and more and more time and more phone calls and more text messages. So for me, I'm like, all right, it's time to reevaluate like, how do you meet these three rules, but grow that? How do you make a bigger impact? And I'm like, I wonder what if I could teach thousands and thousands of other real estate professionals, how to make the impact that I learned how to make here in Roanoke. And what if that scaled at the end of your career, rather than making a huge difference in one town, what if it was nationwide and that company became all the leads. I had a business partner. I have four partners, three partners. Um, But one of my partners, Jim and I were doing short sales together and he, he and I kind of hammered this out, you know, in our own businesses, proved it out as a proven system and then we rolled it out our other partners obviously helped with the things we're not good at um, and we rolled it out to you know to the to the nation as all the leads um, uh, it's a brand that we can grow into but right now you know we just we have for the past 6 years focused on a proven probate system that's built off of what we learned empathetically serving those people in this situation so you've got you know in, in the next 45 years you have about 76 million baby boomers left in that generation and they they hold 70% of disposable income in the United States which and their total assets and and receivables like life insurance and everything considered it's about 136 trillion dollars in wealth that will transfer from one generation to the next and you've got about 2 million properties a year coming through probate 1.4 million of them are free and clear most of them sell in the first 6 months so it was it's you know it's something that's appealing to just about anybody, whether you're a realtor, whether you're an investor, there's equity in the deals and there's certainly a high, high, high level of motivation because of the lack of planning in the family and the urgency that's created by this situation and the lack of liquidity in the estate, they have to liquidate the, the usually they have to liquidate the real estate to settle the liabilities. So, it's it's easy from a business standpoint. It's easy to get excited about. It's like holy crap! That's all. Those are big numbers, right? Mm-hmm. But also from from the you know from an empathetic standpoint, these people really need guidance. You know, if if they didn't need help, they would have an estate plan. They would have established a trust. They would have had you know things things would be different, and they wouldn't have such urgency. So they need leadership because we don't teach it in schools. We don't teach it in colleges. We don't teach it in our communities. We're not allowed to talk about money in normal circles. We're, mm-hmm. we sure as hell don't want to talk about death. We're American. We don't <laughs> talk about death. We don't die. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, like our culture has created a situation where baby boomers, I mean, the federal reserve did a study in 2018, the average baby boomer, uh, the median savings of a baby boomers is $24,700. It's wow. insane. Yeah these are, you know, senior citizens that have, that's all the liquidity they have. So how, how many, how, how many care months of, of living expenses is that really, yeah. especially in, in a health event, like when you get oh, into a hospital or into a rehab facility, it, yeah. it's like that you're he done, right? Me, you're dusted. Yeah. So there's a, there's a big chance. The other side of this, there's a big chance to step up and really scale your business and in, in a space where you can make big equity gains and, and get a lot of deal flow. But the bigger opportunity for me, what really drives me is how, how my, like, my, my primary objectives in doing this is how I want to lower the stress level for the families and maximize the equity and help them grow generational wealth versus spending inheritance. Because if we don't lead them, they're going to spend it, and I would rather help them invest it. So we go in, we'll get the house under contract, whether we buy it or, or someone else buys it. We, we list it, and someone else buys it. We're going to try to turn that, we're going to to make sure at the closing table, we go from the closing table to a registered investment advisor. And we're going to talk to them about private money lending and showing them how to become lenders to capitalize our other buyers who are buying the other houses that we got. And I teach people to create a continuous cycle of transactions. Mm -hmm. And it's just value, 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 and you get paid. So there's never a time your phone can ring that you can't help somebody and monetize it. And there's never a time when you help somebody and monetize that that you can't repeat it by continuing to provide a higher level of service to them. And so that's kind of become my thing is teaching that and and doing that and uh, that's all the leads. So we provide a probate system in every county in the United States. Uh, that comes with, you know, we, we obviously take the public data. We bring that back, we augment that. So we give you almost 2000 real estate data points. In addition to it, Mm. we have, I've, we've, I've built a proprietary system. We call probate plus. So we're the only people in the country that can get the probate data and then go find every piece of real estate associated with the deceased, whether it's held in trust or entity or even another family member's name. If we can, we can, we have ways to tie it back to that deceased person. We can show you, and that's the interesting part. You find mobile home parks, multifamily, single-family portfolios, hotels. I mean, people own a lot of stuff, um, and we find it in trusts. We find it in LLCs. Uh, so we get you valid phone numbers, email addresses, real estate information, including the debt level, the equity level, the you know all the property, a full property report. Um, that goes into a CRM that we provide as part, this is all part of one price. Um, we deliver leads into a CRM, that CRM is tied to our direct mail house. You fully automate the mail all those choke points, like I started out going to the courthouse, putting it on a pen and, pa- you know, pen and paper, that went to a spreadsheet, the spreadsheet went to Spokio and Intellius, you skip trace that, then you finally get to start marketing, uh, or then you do your, your mail merge and all that, and then about a week in, you finally get to start marketing to your list, because you got all that work done. And what all the leads does, we just take all those choke points out. So we, just, we, we automate everything, everything but the dollar productive activity, which is, doing what you do best, talking to people, take calls, make calls, go on appointments. That's all you have to do. So we took a, something that hearing me explain it, I'm sure sounds complex and convoluted, but it's just really streamlined down. You don't have to fight the fight that I fought and go learn all the, all the lessons I learned. You just have to plug into a proven system. And in addition to that, we kind of provide a ridiculous level of support. Um, we have over 700 hours of archive training that's free to access. We do right after this and, and, 12 minutes, I'm jumping on an hour long probate mastermind call. We've done almost 300 of them. Um, Every week we do a mastermind call where you can come ask anything. Uh, We do role play calls. So we're pretty proud of what we have and the reputation we have and how we treat people. And uh, it's different than what you'll see from other companies. But if you're interested in in making a real big difference in real estate and you want to work with very little competition and really impressive ROIs, probate was my blue ocean.
0: Yeah. Well, and make a huge impact. I um for those of you that are listening, I I met Chad through um Go abundance and um, you know, we we were in the group for a while before we connected and I think we scheduled a thirty minute call a while back and I think two hours later we're still talking, right? And it's cause it I mean just such an interesting giving person. And the thing that I wanna kinda pull together here, um I've got another friend slash mentor named Gene Garino and he always says, you know, we can do well while doing good. And that's the one thing that I've I just keep taken away from you here. I mean, your your principle number one is help others more than yourself. Um you can design an amazing life around what you really want out of life and 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 I think I would argue and Chad would agree uh you should get what you want out of life because if you're hating what you're doing, go ahead.
1: I said absolutely. Okay.
0: Yeah, if you're hating what you're doing and 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 it's, you know, I mean, if you were still in the FBI, you wouldn't be as passionate about what you're doing and so a couple of things I just want to throw out there and make sure we pull together, you know, Chad said it It sounds complicated, um, but he was just sharing his story with you and how he got here and when I see the pathway, I was telling him before the interview, I just spent a lot of time looking at the, the site and the program and, and even just the infographic. I mean, you guys have taken, you guys have taken a lot of the work out of this and automated it for people when they come into your program and so basically the other thing that you know is on your board is teaching you're going to teach people. <laughs> um to do what what you love here but i i i haven't gone through the system um uh, but i can see just by looking at it and talking to you um what an amazing program and then the other thing i'll say just back to doing well and doing good um so many times i think people when when i hear the stories that you talked about every single time somebody is in probate um there's a problem that exists there that they didn't plan for if they had planned properly um and i'm not trying to slap somebody in the face that's in probate or something, but if they had planned properly, they wouldn't be in that situation. In my mind, probate is in the, like one of the worst possible places to be because not only do you have some kind of loss or death in the family, it's the worst possible time to be dealing with most of this stuff, but there was a lack of planning. And so for those of you that are interested in this and want to connect with Chad, this is not, I want to make sure we're dealing with a mindset that most of my listeners probably don't have, but you're not doing anything other than helping people, this comes back to helping others more than yourself. And you said that multiple times, but if you get in this program and, and you can help people do this, um, you're helping people out of a bad situation.
1: Absolutely. And that, like that, that moment with Pam, the reason I told that story, I mean, that was, it made it clear to me, like they thought they were good to the, the, the point that her mother had called me and said, I'll never sell this house. I don't need you take me off my, off your list but she pinned my letter to the fridge. And I don't know if I mentioned that, I sang greeting card envelopes with handwritten font. And my letter was pinned to the fridge when Pam showed up that morning to her mother's empty house to try to get her, you know, do whatever she would, could do before she went to the hospital to see her mother in a coma basically. And, you know, it, it's they, they the lack of planning creates an extreme level of urgency and a lot of families end up dumping a lot of equity to people who don't really have the, the, who wouldn't agree with what, what I've been saying here. Mm -hmm. Now I have bought probate houses as low as, as 18 cents on the dollar but I do it very transparently. I show them those options. I'm like, here are your options. You can dump it for this. You can sell it as is for this. We can go conventional for this or I'll partner with you and risk my own money and flip the house for you. And we'll do a 50, 50 JV. Mm-hmm. And they'll self select all the way back down into that 20 cents on the dollar because the house is so rough. They, they're just checked out emotionally. They don't want to deal with it. So you can, buy houses at deep, deep, deep discounts and still serve these people. You're not taking advantage of them, but you can also really take advantage of these people. And I think a lot of folks get into the probate niche and that's their intent. And there's no surprise why they don't last long and why those guys always struggle. Like when, when you're that kind of investor, your ass is going to be swimming upstream your whole career. And you don't have to do that. There's, there's literally millions and millions of dollars. And, and if you just provide service to these folks, um, and that, that's the thing I've learned, like helping up, helping up other people get what they want. You'll always have what you want. I love
0: that. So for those of you that are interested in this, um, just, you know, reach out to Chad, Chad, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you and, and
1: um, so you can always find me. So we have a, pro, a mastermind group called all the leads mastermind. Uh, we've got about 10,000 carefully screened real estate investors and real estate agents in the group. Um, I'm active in there. Most of the time um, you can always call all the, go to all the or call the number on that page. I would give you my socials, but man, I can't keep up with all that. You yeah. saw my, my autoresponder. Sure. I love it. Um, but you guys can usually find me through all the leads, um, all the leads.com or all the leads mastermind on Facebook. And obviously I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn, Chad Corbett. I love it. And
0: we'll go ahead and put a link in the show notes too, where you can, where you can find Chad, but Chad, I appreciate the perspective that you bring to the audience. I mean, there's so many things that you said here that are just amazing, but um, one of my big takeaways that I'm going to dig into is how do you make a larger impact without losing your freedom? Because a lot of our conversation is investing for freedom. And we're having conversations with a lot of people that are in that W-2. We could talk about this for days, but they're in the W-2 job and they're looking for passive income and ways to earn their freedom. But at the same time, every time we start progressing up that mountain peak, you know, it's like climbing an extreme Everest, right? You've got to go back up and then you've got to come back down because you hit ceilings. And so, Um, I took so much away from this, but how do you make a larger impact without losing your freedom? And you figured that out. Um, And, and one of the things that I so appreciate about you is even when you started hitting those ceilings, that's when you went on and created all the leads and said, how do I impact more people and help others more than myself while not losing my freedom? And so I really appreciate that about you. It's pretty amazing.
1: It's tough, man. It's uh, i I'm, I'm guilty of falling back into, I break my rules. Sometimes I fall back into it and I work too much, but you know my best advice on that as uh, you know a short piece of advice is is find something that means so much to you that you don't even have to work at the obsession like be obsessed with it like be obsessed with the outcome those things we talked about before so set whatever your three things are you know mine were mine I've shared like they're going to be different for you mm-hmm. but be obsessed with those think about them every day think about them every night And just trust the process, everything in between, like what's what's if you if you're living the right way, what's right for you will find you.
0: Yeah. Well, and if that resonates with you, just go ahead and steal his because that's one of the best I've ever heard. Those three. That's amazing. (laughs) So, Chad, I appreciate you being on the show. We're going to let you go because you've got a mastermind coming up here in four minutes. But man, can't thank you enough for sharing your wisdom.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Mike. All right.